0: it does something bell. It does something bell. <laughs> I just ring the bell whenever you do anything. Yeah, it's just a bell at the beginning of every episode and then that's it. <laughs> it's like, well, you got your one bell. He did something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, did I hear breathing?
1: Ding. <laughs> he started he started the call with me. I know he's here therefore. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, the bell the bell is so frequent that it doesn't even make it to the podcast recording. Yeah, <laughs> it just gets wrong as soon as we start our a Discord call, and we're like, "Oh well, I guess they don't get a bell this time."
1: Yeah, <laughs> everyone's gonna be asking about it. It's like, "Oh no, it's there." It's just we weren't recording yet. Yeah,
0: I mean, here's the thing: is like, do we ever know when we're talking? Like, when an episode starts, anyways. So, like, I, that's the thing to me: is like, how do you even know
1: when to ring your bell? Yeah, <laughs> like just got to feel it out (laughs) yeah (laughs) by definition the bell must be in the episode so by the time i decide to ring it i just assume the episode has started (laughs) it's like okay well it probably
0: started by now but (laughs) what if what if it happened before and you didn't notice it by the time Mm. the episode did start that's the thing yeah that's a good point
1: (laughs) also i i since i can't hear the bell did i ring it yet no i i have not rung the bell yet oh okay i'll like also yell ding or something when i ring it to make sure you can hear it over discord okay (laughs) perfect so how are you doing today andrew i'm doing pretty good just woke up (laughs) nice yeah i woke up like an hour ago relatively late yeah Um, (laughs) I was re- scheduling a podcast recording uh, for my Cult of the Clock Tower podcast with someone on the East Coast, and he was like, just don't schedule it in the morning. And I was like, you're three hours behind me, and I get up at noon, so don't worry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> so this is, layer by layer, episode number 36? 36. 36. 36. A square number that is not a square number. Is it a square number? It is Six, a square number. yeah. i don't know for some reason 36 doesn't feel like a square number to me i mean i'm all about perfect numbers so oh i forgot what what is a perfect number (laughs) is it like the sum of its prime factors is the number uh it is a number that is equal to the sum of its divisors okay all divisors not just the prime ones
0: right so 28 is an example um, and it obviously, obviously not including itself because then that <laughs> wouldn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, we, I, I have being around that age. I'm now past it. So I can, I am, I will not be a uh, perfect age, I believe until I'm like 496 now. <laughs> um, but you know, we, we talk a lot about, uh, especially cause I have a lot of math nerd friends. Like we talk about, Oh, you're the perfect age. Yeah. <laughs>
1: nice
0: so i gotta wait another you know 400 plus years before i'm a perfect <laughs> age again
1: we will get there eventually
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> i I plan on living till i'm at least 500 so i'm pretty sure i'll make it <laughs> nice uh, <laughs> uh oh boy uh this is to record on t- thursday july 23rd
1: yeah less than a month after the last episode so. right
0: yeah you know we're <laughs> we're all we all right at being podcasters i guess <laughs> um you can discuss the show on reddit which you can find at the friendly url of sptth slash slash colon com dot reddit <laughs> r slash r
1: <laughs> layer by layer wow that part didn't change yeah <laughs> <laughs> um nice or on speed um, solving yeah, or on Speed Solving, which has a URL as well. Or you can find it by searching the Google for it. The Google. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, uh, oh, we already said all the other stuff. Never mind. Uh, the, the logo. It's by Sarah Olson. Nice. Pretty good stuff. I thought there was something else to say, but then I realized we were at the end of the end of the things we needed to say at the beginning. Every time you dimwits. Yeah, we uh, we did it. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't have anything else to say. Nope, nothing else to say. That's the podcast.
0: Perfect. Bye. Okay, everyone, good. have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that we had a normal ending to a show. It could pretend to end the show.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we, it's it, like the way we have to pretend to end a, end a podcast is just like do the podcast normally. So it doesn't really work. <laughs> All right. Do you want
0: to try to end the podcast for like, say, the next hour or so? Yeah, let's try. Okay. Uh, we'll uh, get
1: there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's start, as we usually do, with follow-up. I had a thought. Okay. Which is, we, we talked last time about, like, determining plus twos with slice moves. hmm And I figure, well, we have this thing called a- axial turn metric. Yep. Where basically any moves that are done on the same axis are considered one move. So I was wondering, like, why I mean... That that seems like a good solution to the plus two thing, unless you think that there's something about the state like that would make it that the state U prime D prime like that is considered solved, solved, solved um, or solved or, with well, plus two, like solved with plus two. OK, OK. What?
0: Because you could um do a because U and D is considered one move because it's yeah. like on the same axis or whatever.
1: Yeah, and I feel like that's not that bad of a solution. Like, I I've, I don't have any strong opinion on this. I don't. I might even be able to get behind your idea that plus two shouldn't exist. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just like, this is, I think, a way to make it fairly easy to judge when a plus two is. Happening. I still don't think it's that easy to judge.
0: Because, I mean, you're thinking of a case of that is, like, in whole 90-degree turns, and it gets very complicated if you, say, have, like, a 120-degree turn on one and, like, a 30-degree turn on the other relative to the slice. Hmm. And, like, you have to start measuring, like, okay, well, now if I hold those outer layers constant, I need to turn the middle layer, and how far can it go before it goes beyond 45 degrees?
1: I don't know. It seems pretty easy to be
0: honest, <laughs> but it's uh, the thing is is that we need something that is not. It, it's probably easy for people who are like you know veteran cubers, but like we have judges that are competing in like their first or second competition. That that's true. We, that but need like, to like be The able thing to is with this rules. though, you
1: can always just you can always just compare the top layer to the bottom layer. I think, and if you can't do that, then you can compare each layer individually to the middle layer and the, and all of those comparisons are easy to do. Or actually I think you can just compare each layer individually to the middle layer with this with axial turn metric. Because if either layer is off from the middle layer, then the whole thing is off from the middle layer by one move. And there's no nuance as far as like what the other layer looks like because any any amount the other layer is off is going to um be the same same result. What <laughs> so like <laughs> like if, if you take any like do any kind of u and d moves and like finish them anywhere all you have to do is compare the top layer to the middle layer and then the bottom layer to the middle layer and if either of them is like what we would currently consider a plus two from the middle layer then the whole solve is just a plus two because it doesn't matter if both of them are a plus two or like if the middle layer itself is technically a turnoff off because if either of them is a turn off from the middle layer then we could consider it a plus 2 because obviously that's at least one turn needed for the middle layer.
0: Okay, so how about this? Um take a puzzle and do a U2. Mhm. Then do like like 30 degrees in the U prime direction. Mhm. And like 60 degrees or maybe yeah, 60 degrees in the D direction. Okay. What is this? That's a plus 2. I don't like that. <laughs> Wait, why? So, I mean, sure. Like if we use axial term metric, it's like, sure. You can un- basically means that you can do like U and D together is considered one move and U and D are misaligned here are like both misaligned. Therefore you can realign them and it's only one move off. Therefore plus two. Yeah. Um, so I get that. The issue that I have with it, especially like if I d- say like you take the same position and like apply another 90 degree turn to D, or maybe don't leave it as is like the slice. If you're imagining like fixing the outer layers and saying like, well, the reason we're doing this is so slice, like if you're off by slice moves, that it can still be solved. Like you could realign only the slice. And in this position, there is no way to only realign the slice to say that it is like reasonably solved.
1: Yeah, that's true. But I I just, I don't know. I think that that's not necessarily what you're optimizing for. I feel like it's more of just like, having an unambiguous way to define a reasonably solid yeah okay state. i and get like,
0: it yeah and i get that yes this is i like this from the perspective of it is a lot easier because you're just basically applying the current rules in two ways yeah um and taking basically the worst of the two options okay yeah that's yeah that's kind of another way you can think about it is literally just like do plus two moves as you normally would on like opposite layers mm-hmm. and just pick the worst of the two options
1: yeah, definitely. That's that's how I would think of it. Yeah. And I think it's like, sure, it's not it's not like necessarily reflective of how solved the cube is. But I do feel like if you take any cube that is off by only U and D moves, like anybody can pick up that cube and be like, yeah, that's like solved.
0: <laughs> right. I think, though, what I don't like about that solution is it, it makes cases that I d- think should surely be a DNF a plus two.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. It's just a matter of an opinion then on what you think should be a DNF. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, because it basically means that, like, if you're, if you have three layers that are solved, the cube is solved. Yep. It might be with penalty, but it is solved. Three layers that are on the same axis. Yes. Yeah. That's. <laughs> yeah. Like, for example, like RL is now solved. And I don't know if RL should be solved.
1: Ah, I feel like I would give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Like if someone was like, "Look, I solved the cube," and then they held up a cube with RL, I'd be like, "Yeah, pretty much." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I mean, I think that if you were to try to somehow make slice moves plus twoable, like this, I think is probably the best way in terms of like regulation clarity. Yeah. To
1: be clear, this isn't making slice turns plus twoable. This is making slice turns plus a bunch of other things plus twoable. Yes. So I can see definitely see where you're coming from, but just as far as like. This is probably the easiest way, I think. to make I agree. Slice turns plus two. Yeah, because
0: if you're somehow trying to do it where you're tracking how far away the slice is, like from a potentially solved state, you run into like just a whole Pandora's box of crap. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a tough. It's a tough call, and it, like the the more like I I spend mental energy on this, the more I run in the direction of eliminating misalignment plus twos. Yeah, that's that's pretty easy
1: to do that's a pretty easy solution. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, it solves the solution of like method uh, of like method neutrality reg or method neutral regulations. Yeah. We, we write regulations, ass- not assuming any particular method. Like it's, it's why like team factory could never be a WCA official <laughs> event because it assumes
1: you do a particular method. Unless it's one move team factory, <laughs> <laughs> which <laughs> is the best kind
0: that, that could work <laughs> technically. <laughs> um, so it's kind of weird. It's it's an artifact the regulations that is somewhat you know somewhat method dependent in a way and that or like that advantages certain methods because of the what is typically done as the last move is an outer turn and not a slice turn. But I don't know what to tell you other than I think that if you really care about method neutrality, you should be on the side of removing misalignment plus twos.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, with that, um, that brings us to uh the next important topic here which is cakes Mm, yes Um, did you remember what this was actually about this week still in the show notes uh no oh okay (laughs) you had any good cake lately i had a i'm sure i've had some good cake recently are you trying to tell me the cake is a lie (sighs) it's not a lie it's just a mistake uh (laughs) (laughs) cake is a mistake
0: (laughs) Andrew's trying to drop bars in here. (laughs) I'm not a huge fan of cake, to be quite honest. Really? Like, if I'm going to eat something that's bad for me, cake is, like, near the bottom of the
1: list. Okay, what's the top of the list? Ooh.
0: Are you you just not, like, a sweet person? Oh, I'm a a sweet person. Okay. It's, uh, I'm not an icing person.
1: Oh, okay. The icing's, icing's my favorite part.
0: Yeah, like, cake, cupcake, like, I just, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of, like, those kinds of sweets. I see. Um, I mean, it's not the worst. Like, I'm, I am I basically do not eat like, eat, like, any hard candy. I think hard candy in general is disgusting. Like, the melting in your mouth stuff to me is just grosses me out. Um, <laughs> so, um, any sort of, like, hard candy or, like, fruity kind of stuff, typically, I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, yeah,
1: I'm not the biggest fan of the fruity stuff most of the time, either. Yeah.
0: So... I mean I I'm a sucker for most things that involve peanut butter. Uh yeah, that's good. That's good. Um that's What about like pie? Oh yeah, pie is wonderful.
1: Do you consider cheesecake to be a cake or a pie?
0: Oh boy, is this a turning into a food podcast? Is hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, anyways, uh cheesecake.
1: I have the is it a pie or what? Is it a cake or is it a pie? <laughs> it's like it has a crust but it's cake is in the name wow i mean i think it's more a pie than a cake if anything i feel like it's more a pie as well but nobody seems to ever agree with me on that
0: i agree i mean it, it it's like to me a cake has to have like what defines a cake is some sort of like bready layer with some layer of like thin layers of icing
1: yeah, I mean, you can have cakes, like, pound cakes and stuff that you don't ice, necessarily. True,
0: true. But, uh, it, like, a cake, to me, I mean, it's not, like, it, bread, but, it, it like, it's some...
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. It has to be, like, some kind of bready thing.
0: <laughs> I don't know what, like, the term I'm... Lo- it's literally cake. Like, cake is <laughs> that <laughs> sweet, <laughs> bready, like, <laughs> thing... <laughs> And uh, there's a term for it that I like is escaping my mind right now. <laughs> but I'm just gonna be calling it br- sweet bread. Um, <laughs> um but like that is to me what defines cake. And uh cheesecake does not def- does not fit that at all. Um, I would agree. Yeah. It, it it is cheesecake has a crust at the bottom like pie does, and it has a filling that is cheese like ish, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. This is not a good. Food. We are not gonna ever make a food podcast. Let's just put it that way.
1: Uh, <laughs> yes, two people who don't know what how to describe cake. Yeah, uh, <laughs> other
0: than sweet bread,
1: sweet bread. <laughs> oh
0: boy, yeah. So che- I do love a good cheesecake, though. There is a new bubble tea chain that started up in Portland in the past year that sells like, I, like one. I think one of the best thing about bubble tea is like they sell typically like some of the coolest like snack foods. <laughs> yeah like you ever go to a bubble tea place you're like oh man they're gonna have some creative snacks there and that's what i'm down for because i'm not a huge bubble tea guy um really no nah, not nah. so what
1: kind of snacks do you get
0: at a bubble tea place yeah so this new uh food food truck that does or food cart that does um bubble tea they have um chocolate dipped cheesecakes on a stick Ooh, wow okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they can get like they get topped with like peanuts or coconut shavings mm-hmm. like they're oh, the coconut shaving one is like so good i love it <laughs> or i think they have like a, a um a sprinkles one too nice so nice that that's a really good snack there but one of my favorites that they have there is um, a waffle cone filled mm-hmm. with chicken nuggets and topped with <laughs> bacon pieces and syrup that seems extreme <laughs> it's basically a handheld version of chicken and waffles though
1: that makes sense yeah
0: yeah it's so good <laughs> <laughs> I like, i didn't realize that i was getting chicken and waffles when i ordered it i just they had like a maple chicken cone and i'm like yeah that sounds great and, and i'm eating <laughs> it i'm like i am eating handheld chicken and waffles this is amazing nice uh, <laughs> uh they have a few other flavors that are like chicken in a cone basically chicken in a waffle cone basically but um <laughs> That's the best one because it's basically emulating chicken and waffles.
1: I don't know if I've been to these fancy boba places you've been to. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: must be a Portland thing. I don't know. <laughs> the, I guess like most of the times when you like, I, I think they're a bit like on the extreme side when it comes to like good snacks. I feel like most boba places you go to, they will always have some sort of like like stuff they throw in a fryer, basically. Yeah, like, that's true. Like <laughs> chicken, like popcorn, chicken, or. um like some crazy like chili fry or like different topped <laughs> fries or things like that or there'll be like a bakery yeah yeah that too like sometimes they'll yeah like have like nice like uh scones or breads or things like that yeah sweet breads or cakes <laughs>
1: cake yeah i <You> mean cake <laughs> <laughs> yes cake <laughs> if we come full circle yet are we just gonna keep talking <laughs> about food i think we're good okay (laughs) Uh, you want to talk about denmark
0: yeah so denmark had a comp um out of you have you heard much about that competition or no i think i saw some stuff posted about it Mm -hmm. but yeah it was uh i think july 11th and 12th was it yeah yeah so a couple weeks ago from when this podcast was recorded and uh it was uh controversial (laughs) <laughs> okay. Um to people who are outside of Denmark. Um which I think says a lot about how much people want to return to normal life.
1: Uh yes.
0: <laughs> so I think the uh interesting thing about the competition is that they didn't have people wearing masks, which is why people were very upset about the competition, but at the same time like there were basically in Denmark nobody wears a mask okay uh
1: like is that do they not have a problem there or are they just not
0: from what I saw like statistics that are from there they're reported from there I think they have like 10 to 20 new cases a day okay uh and have contact tracing going on so uh for whatever reason, I think that for them it's like the they're in the they're in the situation where they're saying like masks should be reserved for those who were like around COVID patients or are yeah. like medical Because they just don't want to run into a shortage of supplies. Whereas like we're at the I don't know, we're like in the US, we're at the point where like nope, it's it's everywhere you need a mask. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um it's it's just interesting because like you know you can't even find like cloth masks if you go to like you know stores it's like yes like our safety policy recommends like mask usage but at the same time it's like can you really expect like people to come to a competition and wear masks when they're not you know being told not to wear masks or just in general like they're not available yeah yeah um so and i i think that people on who saw like the wca instagram stories were just like rare ma- why aren't they wearing masks this is a bad image for the wca and it's like hey uh newsflash americans there is a whole world outside your country <laughs> that is handling there this exists. a lot better than you are yeah. <laughs> so maybe you should understand how other countries are handling this that, that, that could be us <laughs> yeah and that yes this could be us or maybe at this point this could have been us cuz i feel like we're right. almost at a point of yes. no return. Uh yeah. Anyways, to talk about fun stuff that happened at the competition. Um <laughs> there was we're going to ha- we're going to have to talk about cuz we haven't talked about a record on this podcast in a long time.
1: Okay. Yeah, so we're we're going deep
0: here. Yeah, there was an NR. <laughs> All right. Yeah.
1: 1.21
0: <laughs> Pyramid single. Uh we're desperate. Uh so rasmus caught it and um one cool thing to know is that it was the longest standing danish national record
1: okay nice
0: so you know like that's i guess kind of cool to some extent in that (laughs) um it was at least a relatively good nr how old was it um i don't know offhand uh but i could look that up it was seven years old it was last set march 30th 2013 wow
1: that's that's a long time yeah
0: so and it and that uh that danish nr was world record at the time oh okay cool (laughs) it was it was uh otter with uh 1.36 single okay so that's probably why it hasn't been broken in a while (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's a pretty good one yeah so yeah desperate for nrs so there we go we talked about one another fun thing that happened is that uh (laughs) <laughs> we're gonna revive martin Egdal of the day uh all right <laughs> martin Egdal got jinxed super hard by his brother <laughs> what do you mean like it, it was a small competition because i think like in the end only like 40 ish or so people showed because only 40 people showed like the Egdal brothers were there and you know people couldn't come from outside denmark so he pretty much was one of the few competitive people at that competition yeah <laughs> Uh, so, in uh, Cubix's Friends, Daniel made a post of Martin, like, lying down, kind of relaxing on, on like, mm-hmm. the stage of the venue or whatever. And just with the the <laughs> quote, this is how you win every round of a competition, parentheses, so far. <laughs> he didn't win every round at the competition. <laughs> he, lo- he I think he got on second place in two and three, I think it was okay um but it was like this this post happened and then immediately after <laughs> they just didn't he didn't he didn't win those rounds so <laughs> nice um the, the jinx was definitely on <laughs> rip but um i'm more interested really interested in talking about this this uh, this action this other thing that happened during pyraminx so there's
1: a link in our notes <laughs> if you want to open that up yeah okay i've got it so this is pyraminx scramble set b mm-hmm. are these really long pyraminx scrambles no I, you should
0: check the images What's, on one and two
1: one and two. Oh, okay so they're they're identical except for the tips
0: yeah so they scrambles back to back literally identical except like three of the tips are different that's absolute insanity <laughs> like
1: i bet that got
0: reported a lot as a, a miss scramble oh it did <laughs> uh apparently one of the scramblers at the comp 2 it was their first time scrambling and he was just super like sweaty sweating so hard <laughs> oh, <poor laughs> because God. there were so many scrambles like early in the group it was this is literally scramble 1 and 2 that were being reported as duplicates and then that's when they realized <laughs> oh nope <Yeah. laughs> so one thing that was interesting to me is that it, um so when you look at these scramble sequences you know like it, ignoring tips like, the, it generated two different scramble sequences for the same yeah. state. And I thought that was crazy to think that, like, basically T-Noodle, like, t- is, did somehow, like, the tip states, like, influence this? But, um, apparently, um, there is a random move placed in Pyraminx. Uh, basically, the the, the way Pyraminx scrambles are generated is non-deterministic. Hmm. Um, okay and that like the search algorithm because of it like it's a breadth first search like it, you know it's like i need to solve this state mm-hmm. to generate a scramble so i'm going to start here and i need to find the, it within like the network of pyramid states the solved state yeah so it does a search and how it starts the search is random
1: oh okay that's weird
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah, So, and it might be, like, throughout, there are points where, it, like, the search path that it goes on is not necessarily optimal, but it takes, like, some basically random uh, paths in its search. Is
1: there a reason for that, or is that just, like, some programmer was like, let's make it random? The
0: reason is um, because um, if you program it more optim- optimally, then um, from the scramble, it becomes more apparent which ones are lucky.
1: Oh, like, it'll just be a shorter solution?
0: Yeah, it'll be a shorter scramble sequence
1: makes sense. Okay.
0: Like uh for for example, um <laughs> for an, initially for a while with Scube, they didn't implement this and every Scube sequence ended up starting with LR. Huh. Um, okay. Just because of the way it was the way moves were being picked, like they tried to make the scramble sequences arbitrarily longer, but they I think it was still somewhat deterministic, so it, it almost always started with LR. I don't know why, but <laughs> That's how the tea noodle scrambler worked, but yeah, that that kind of like threw me for a loop when I realized like, wait, you know, t- the exact same state was gen, but the m- sequence is different, and like, given that, like, I I would be very like I wouldn't th- notice that the scramble states are the same.
1: Yeah, it almost feels like it would be like useful for the scrambler's knowledge to have them be the same, but. <laughs>
0: But honestly, like, how often could this possibly come up?
1: Yeah, have you have you figured out the probability yet? I haven't, but uh,
0: I can assure you, it would be an incredibly low chance. Like, not <laughs> not so low that like we should. It, it's like it would be low, but plausible given the number of Pyraminx scrambles we generate.
1: Yeah. To have them right in a row, also, is so interesting. Yeah, yeah.
0: Having them back to back is really interesting. <laughs> but I think that if you consider the number of Pyraminx scrambles that we generate, because I mean, Pyraminx only has 3 million states, including tip permutations. So, like, you have to, what, take that and divide it by 64. So, like, th- take 3 million, divide it by 64, and you're probably at, like, half a million now mm-hmm. states. And to get, like, the same back to back, is like gonna be what roughly one in five million squared or no one in half a half a million squared yeah which is unlikely yeah it's on the order of like 10 to the 12th 10 to the 12th roughly so unlikely very unlikely <laughs> actually wait this is very i don't know like i don't think we generate that many pyramid states
1: no it doesn't seem like it
0: <laughs> yeah okay that's kind of
1: cool uh <laughs> This is this is definitely a very weird situation. Yeah, it's almost weird enough that it makes me wonder. Like, when do we see a two-move three by three scramble? <laughs> um, yeah, or or just like, I mean, I'm sure it's there's not a problem with t noodle, but like, it's I don't know, and it seems like this is a very strange
0: coincidence. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty strange, but I mean, even like the thing is like ten to the twelfth is orders orders more likely than like you know the probability of getting like a two or three move scramble on three by three yeah yeah because you know the number of states of three by three is like 10 to the 19th and the number of like you know two or three move states is like i i don't know offhand but like no more than like a thousand and that would only reduce that to 10 to the 16th and like that sounds close to 10 to the 12th but like it's nowhere close it's not yeah yeah (laughs) So, like thinking about how crazy this is, like stuff that ha- on bigger puzzles, just like this, is almost never going to
1: happen. Do you, Do you think that this has happened before, in terms of like two two scrambles, maybe not in a row, being the same? Probably not, right?
0: <laughs> I feel like I would have heard about it if it did.
1: <laughs> yeah or I wonder if maybe even I wonder if pyramid scrambles have even been like repeated ever between multiple comps is there a way that we can like search for that
0: oh I'm I'm sure it has just because three million is not a lot and I mean it, this
1: is turn- oh, it's, it's like the uh it's like the birthday just thing. about where like say how that. many people do you need in the same room to have have two people with the same birthday it's yeah not that many
0: it's just that the instead of 365 birthdays you have like three million possible birthdays yeah uh <laughs> So, but I mean, it's the that this sort of problem, it, like the birthday problem, is interesting because it's like it takes a surprisingly low number of people to like actually start to be fairly likely that two people have the same birthday, and I would imagine that it's also a surprisingly low number of like pyraminx scrambles to generate until this like a one that has already happened in competition it, like is generated. I think someone did an analysis of this in WCA statistics for like duplicate scrambles that have been made at least purely just by the scramble sequences but obviously as we see now like you know you can get the same state from many different sequences yeah and T noodles not deterministic in that way um but I, like i'm pretty sure they found identical scramble sequences that weren't errors in the database from across different competitions like so just sequences being alone or being the same which means that there's mm-hmm. probably more that are like different sequences producing the same state
1: well that's cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, it's too bad that probably everyone who could have possibly taken advantage of getting the same scramble twice uh, probably would have reported it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and apparently this this was a very easy Pyraminx scramble too. Um, like it's hard for me to tell from the image, but I, I haven't actually ever scrambled it up. But um, apparently it is a ve- like it's a very easy state. Like ignoring tips, I see. not like like world record lucky, but like it's definitely like an above average, very above I average see. scramble yeah <laughs> so, but a lot of people probably just passed up on it because <laughs> they had to report it as a duplicate,
1: yeah that that's one thing i've I've actually thought about with like it with similar state scrambles, it's like what if that's just the scramble you were supposed to get? like should you really be reporting that? like obviously, practically, I guess you should be, but it does feel like you're missing out on something sometimes or we're like we're missing out on a part of a competition that should exist in some some respect
0: the 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 solution the 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 like altruistic solution or like the like theoretically best solution to this is to never have missed scrambles that nobody feels the need to report them yeah but obviously yeah. that's like unattainable
1: scrambling robots we need yeah,
0: but even scrambling robots could make errors i doubt Mechanic, it <laughs> like mechanical errors
1: that's like people who say like they don't trust self-driving cars or they wouldn't trust self-driving cars. <laughs> but it's like, sure, like they can cause problems, but they're going to be better than humans.
0: I mean, I don't disagree with that, but I'm not saying that like scrambling robots would be a hundred percent. Yeah, that's fair. an error would pop up where like, you know, at some point, like a claw, of like especially like or whatever th- thing to grip the puzzle like might slip or something
1: maybe we could have something that like scans the faces and is like okay there's red yellow like or whatever yeah or i guess not necessarily like like it can assign it can figure out what your color scheme is as well right we could build enough layers onto the scrambling robot that it would catch the miss scrambles when they do happen
0: true true it's a matter of like how quickly could it do that <laughs> and yeah. like would lighting differences cause issues with color recognition
1: right but then you just have to build a light into the thing then yeah i guess (laughs)
0: anyways uh (laughs) what i was going to say is that i think that in the current state the best solution to make sure that you do the scrambles that are given to you is to always record your solves
1: that way you can do the scramble and then give them the video to check exactly
0: yeah um, like, I-, I think that's by far the safest way to deal with potential duplicate scrambles is just to always record your solves. And if you were wrong about getting a duplicate and it just happened to be very similar, then you have the chance to, you know, keep the solve you were supposed to get. Yeah, this is just weird. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to have it be literally identical is bizarre to me. Yeah. Like color for color identical. <laughs>
1: It's it's kind of kind of hard to tell though too because the tips like mm-hmm. they make it not obvious
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's not obvious until like you're literally told to like s- it, like analyze the images. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's another thing too is that like you might also get the same scramble where like for but from a different orientation, mm-hmm. where like you know you because like if you pr- if you s- scrambled did this scramble but uh, like started in the wrong orientation like that's a different state but you do the same solution to it yeah so and i mean like that surely has happened maybe not within the same competition but that like if you count if you consider those scrambles as the same then like we have surely had the same scrambles in comp multiple times i don't know i think that's about all i had to say about this competition it's cool that a competition happened it, it like was
1: and produced interesting things to talk about on layer by layer which is the real point of competition that's right
0: <laughs> so thank you denmark uh <laughs> you gave us content content uh do it for the content uh i'm not doing a competition for the content um
1: no no. not very different content yeah
0: (laughs) yeah that would that would uh be more content for uh bigger things than a uh a rubik's cubing podcast anyways all right so i didn't think i was going to have another thing to talk about for this my math cubing corner um but I do, uh, so all right. It's a bit got of a another episode out of it. Yeah, so we're we're apparently this is now a uh, segment. But I definitely can't guarantee I have anything after this week. So, <laughs> um, but for now, it's a segment. So remember, we talked about Mega Mink scrambles before, and how we felt like they didn't really scramble the cube appro- or the puzzle appropriately. So I wanted to actually look into this, um, and like potentially see like if there is an optimal color to solve for if because like the scrambler on average, like just doesn't move those pieces far away from the layer enough.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, the thing is, is I'm not very good at making a, uh, like something that determines how many moves across is. Mm-hmm. So I decided to do a very simplistic approach to this. So I need to talk about some terminology here because like on three by three, we know what quarter turns are, right? Yeah. There aren't quarter turns on a mega Minx, though. They're fifth turns. So right. It's not four turns to, like, make a layer come back around. It's five. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. when I say a fifth turn, I mean just basically doing a U or U prime, but on a Megaminx.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Cool. So um, what I did is I said that, like, I-, I tried to come up with, like, a distance metric for, like, two edges on a Megaminx. And, like, two edges, you measure their distance by the shortest set of quarter of fifth turns (laughs) to get one edge to another place ignoring orientation yeah the reason i did this is because it leverages graph theory Mm -hmm. and it's just basically i tried wanted to get a measure of how far away do edges get from their home position and that's all i wanted to look at is because that's kind of what we talked about last time is it felt like that the edges like of the layers that we were solving were often close to where they should be and if you uh, do the math on this, um, so there's obviously, there's 30 edges on a megaminx. One of them is zero away from where it should be. Uh, you follow? What? No. Okay, so like, if we're, if we're trying to, like, p- like, take a random scramble and pick an edge. Okay. Like, that edge could be in one of 30 places in a scramble. Okay, right. There's one, yeah. one of those 30 is the, is the correct position. Got it. Okay. Understood. Four of those 30 are one away. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you could keep going through this and basically create like a distribution for how um, far away an edge could be. I think it's like one, four. Is it one, four, eight, eight, four, one? No. Um, I think it's one, four, eight, 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 one. So there's one position that's zero away, four positions that are one away, Um, Eight positions for two, three, and four away each. And then one position that's five away. Five?
1: Yep. That's weird.
0: Yeah, it's edges on opposite faces of a Megaminx and, like, opposite sides. Weird. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a lot easier to describe, like, if you actually have a Megaminx on you. So let me grab a Megaminx. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, it's like, if you take two opposite faces... um, yeah, yeah, if you pick an edge um, on one face, if you if you look at that at like the edges of its opposite face, basically it pick find the two opposite faces of that edge, and those two edges are five away. Yeah. So like on a normal color scheme, if you pick the white green edge, the gray light green edge is five away. Yeah. I got belled. <laughs> I Heard that one barely. Uh, but anyway so if you take the average um like of all of those 30 p- potential distances on average an edge should be 2.7 moves ish away okay <laughs> fifth turns away basically fifth turns yes yeah. so the reason i did it from fifth turns is because I could leverage graph theory easily here um to determine like optimal paths Dijkstra's algorithm
1: Wait no, that's not exactly. Yeah, that is <laughs> like
0: more for like un, like oriented graphs, and megaminx is yeah. not an. The only oriented gr- puzzle, the only like puzzle that could be thought of as like an oriented graph would be like the latch cube. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't know if that really even works that well. But anyways, uh, yeah. <laughs> so basically, what I was trying to hope, hopefully, find is like, does are there certain sides of a megaminx that like the current scrambling notation like doesn't scramble as well? Mm -hmm. So I ran – basically what I did did is I applied a scramble to a puzzle, like looked at where all the edges were, and calculated how far away each edge was from home. And I did this over more than 60,000 scrambles. Okay. So I generated a ton of scrambles, generated how many they were away, and basically found that the scrambling method works right. Oh, that's good. Yeah. (laughs) Because, I mean – I was surprised that 2.7 was the average cuz that seems yeah. close.
1: I just I just picked up a megaminx and like scrambled it cuz it, to check just on a random hand scramble and yeah, that seems about right. <laughs> yeah, and it's like 2.7 surprisingly is
0: I I'm just surprised that the, the like expected average for this distance is that low.
1: Yeah, it really it makes me realize I'm bad at solving megaminx cuz it takes way too many moves for me to move pieces around. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean <laughs> It just
0: surprised me because it always felt like edges were closer than I thought. But um, apparently, even if you, you know, if you use the Pockman scrambling notation, it seems to check out. Like, yeah, it, it, the averages I got were like basically as low as. So when you look at like, I basically took averages for each set of edges for a particular face, like for making the star and mm-hmm. the lowest average that i found was 2.694 i think <laughs> okay and the hi- highest average i found was 2. uh 701 it's very consistent yeah it's like maybe skewed a little bit towards being closer than farther away but like by like point zero zero five moves basically mhm so for all intents and purposes, and like honestly, it's hard to determine if that that average that I found is sampling error or an or an actual error. Like the average if, if you could the average for every single piece combined was 2.697. And that's very close to what it's supposed to be. Yeah, right? it's like point zero zero three off, basically. So yeah, there might be a slight bias towards being closer, but it's like definitely not noticeable. <laughs> not noticeable to like that you would be able to pick
1: up on that every solve Um, for the, that solve felt that felt like all the pieces were 0.005 moves closer than they should have. Yeah. Like,
0: (laughs) yeah, it, it varies so much that like, you're not going to be able to really sense that like the standard deviation I found for um, the number of moves away was about one half. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, you could, you could get puzzles that are like an average of, it's very common to get puzzles that are like three either two or three moves away basically on average for mm-hmm. a particular cross. So, yeah. Don't uh don't look into these numbers huge because it's totally just sampling error, but yellow was the smallest if you're trying to pick up anything from this. All right. All <laughs> so, right. All right. Noted. Yeah, if if you're doing if you're if you do a normal color scheme, yellow was the lowest for me and pink was or no blue was the worst
1: interesting um i would have almost expected something like purple to be the lowest yeah and
0: honestly i don't think you should look into this too much because <laughs> yeah um, really any differences that i found are non not significant and purely likely just due to the scrambles that it randomly picked so i i wouldn't take any of that information to heart <laughs> like don't start doing yellow cross because i told you to because mm-hmm. like it's probably just a matter of the, the the scrambles that i picked out myself
1: it's interesting though
0: yeah no, it would be interesting to see it this sort of analysis from like a pure like how like what is the optimal solution for each cross on a, a given scramble mm-hmm. uh that was just a much more difficult problem because i'd have to code some sort of solver and i didn't really want to
1: like this was already a you know a, a several hour project for me to to look at um yeah i mean i I still wonder it still might not necessarily be a complete picture because it's possible that like the orientations are more friendly or something true yeah Um, but and that would still be noticeable yeah
0: the thing is is that like these sorts of things this this metric is going to be highly highly correlated to optimal solution to the point that like the fact that this lines up with what we expect so well makes me think it's going to be really hard to find any differences in optimal like any meaningful differences in the optimal solution. I'm not optimistic that there's anything that's wrong that it is like it, there there's obviously like the our scrambling is going to be biased to some degree, but I think any biases in our current scrambling method are not like meaningful enough that you could take advantage of them.
1: Yeah, it's good enough for our purposes. <laughs>
0: And again, I'm only looking at edges right now, so I don't know, like, I could look at corners, but obviously, like, solving corners first on a Megaminx does not, uh...
1: (laughs) It also feels like if the edges are getting distributed randomly, like, why wouldn't the corners be...
0: Right, yeah, I mean, it's a slightly different graph for corners, just because, like, each edge is... When you do fifth turns, each edge is connected to um, four different options, Mm Mm-hmm. Where for corners, it's only connected to three different options. Yeah. Um, so it's a slightly different graph um, that you would work with, or a, like a slightly different, like, you know, connection of nodes, but not different enough that <laughs> it warrants.
1: Yeah, and just knowing that edges are all over the place, like, as you'd expect them to be, means that corners that are connected to them probably are as well. Probably,
0: yeah. I mean, it, it would make intuitive sense.
1: <laughs> but
0: um i was also wondering you know if maybe maybe do we need to make scr- does this show evidence that we need to make our scramble for megaminx longer but it doesn't seem at least for this particular perspective it doesn't seem like it's necessary Interesting. yeah if i knew more about how eo worked on Omega Minx, i would love to do like an <laughs> eo analysis but i do not understand how eo works on Omega.
1: yeah it's complicated yeah <laughs>
0: I know that there is, like, there are, there is edge-end orientation for Omega, but I don't understand, like, the move restrictions in which it matters, so,
1: yeah. (laughs) All right, well, it's good that you did that investigation, and now we know the answer to at least some of the questions. Yeah, (laughs) it's
0: an uninteresting answer, but uninteresting answers are often reassuring,
1: like this one, so. And they still need to be reported, otherwise only the surprising results will get reported. Right, right. (laughs) I, I did not find a
0: Hollywood of the day. I'll find okay. one.
1: Hollywood, Maryland.
0: <laughs> I mean, I enjoy this segment for our, like, you know, several listeners from this middle of nowhere <laughs> place, but you don't have a lot of things interesting going on for me to talk about.
1: All right, get prices right. Don't look it up. Okay. What is the average price of a hotel in Hollywood, Maryland? Is there, according to Google? Is there one hotel? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but Google gives an average, so um um try not to go over. $1 Bob. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh 94. All right, the correct answer. Everyone at home can also make your guesses, see if you get better than Ken. <laughs> the correct answer is $131. All right, all right. What is the average flight from San Diego to there? <laughs>
0: does not exist or,
1: sorry wait no hold on not the not the average price the lowest pl- the lowest priced flight according to google
0: but that just you did you would just be flying to like baltimore or dc and driving
1: <laughs> i guess so
0: okay um probably and well, it's but it's this is like covid prices i don't know yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> well like 275 Fifty-eight oh, dollars.
1: I don't know. I don't oh, know how.
0: That is some extreme COVID pricing.
1: Yes. Oh
0: boy. I mean, I have heard of people like, like someone buying like I think like a DC to like Florida flight that was like fifteen dollars.
1: Wow. But probably because
0: Florida. Yeah. So
1: all right, one more quiz. What time is it there? Three. Four two. thirteen. <laughs> Okay, yeah, you got it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, how many degrees in Fahrenheit is it the temperature there? currently Heat of the
0: day right there right now. So probably
1: uh 88, 89. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh wind direction. <laughs> um west northwest. It's uh, southwest, uh, bar bomber. At, okay. w- at what speed in miles per hour is the wind? <laughs> um, eight miles per hour. It's four miles per hour. Um, it's a pretty right.
0: uh, pretty calm day then, I guess.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, last question. Okay. What is the humidity percentage?
0: So okay, relative humidity with, at eighty-eight because uh, it's gonna be ev- it, like. So I'm going to guess it's probably a dew point of about like mids, low to mid 60s there. But what was that? What did that turn into in relative humidity? <laughs> um, probably I'm bad at relative humidity. I like I I always talk about humidity and dew point. Um, I'm hmm. going to say like 55
1: percent. Wow. Fifty four percent so i didn't price you know you're hollywood maryland (laughs) i just know weather really well (laughs) Um. this has been hollywood maryland of the day (laughs) Uh, maybe that'll be the new segment i just quiz you on hollywood maryland weather (laughs) every day
0: (laughs) so um relative humidity is a terrible measure
1: of humidity okay what what is it so what does it mean? I don't even know.
0: The problem with relative humidity is it's relative to the actual temperature. Um, okay. So the better measure of humidity is dew point, because ba- basically um, humidity tells you, relative humidity tells you basically how much of the air is saturated with water. The problem is, okay. is the air can hold more water the warmer it gets. Yeah. So, like basically like 80 like this the air could be holding the same amount of water in it when it's like 80 and or versus 95 but the relative mm-hmm. humidity is going to be much higher when it's 80 degrees out. Oh, okay. Hmm. So dew point is the measure ba- dew point is a a temperature based measure and it's basically the temperature that it would need to be to be at 100% humidity. Got it. So it's an actual absolute measure of humidity and not a relative one. I see. Um, and it's uh, it like how you when you feel like it is humid outside, um, it's not because the relative humidity is higher, but it's because the dew point is higher. Typically, okay. like what you so feel, relative
1: humidity is just a bad, bad metric.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not a bad metric because it's important to understand, like it's it's more impor- like relative humidity is more important in terms of like, is it going to rain? Got it. Uh, because, like, if there's just a lot of moisture in the air, that could just mean that like there's a lot of it's literally going to rain because the air, like rain happens because the air can't hold any more moisture. But if you're if you're trying to like measure humidity, of, like man, it is hot and sw- like it's hot and sweaty today. Dew point is much more relative to what you're interested
1: in. By the way, do you know that there's also a California Maryland kind of close to Hollywood? <laughs> what? There's a California, Maryland.
0: California, Maryland close to Hollywood. Yep. (laughs) That's why I went what. Uh, (laughs) So Hollywood, Maryland is close to California, Maryland. Yes. And Hollywood
1: (laughs) is in California. (laughs) Yep. They sure know how to name their stuff in Maryland.
0: (laughs) We do have a district of Portland called Hollywood, you know, not to make things (laughs) any more confusing. Uh... (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> um let's talk
1: about our SEE events. Uh I'll go first Okay, with what I did for yours last uh for last week. By the way, you should put in your thing oh, yeah, as well from that. Uh so your event last week was Go Heal Blind, where you like look at the Go Cube image of the cube rather than the cube itself. And the way I did this was I scrambled the cube first, then like reset it to a solved cube. So even if I looked at the cube, I would get no visual information from it. Yeah. Um so I ended up with a 24 point three one one or twenty four point three one average. Okay. Which is just barely better than yours. You did twenty four point seven one. Ah, uh, bummer. Um and our results were actually really similar. Uh, I'm realizing now that for some reason my fourth solve is not in here. I should go figure out what that is.
0: Yeah, I I noticed that too. Uh,
1: I don't know. I must have deleted that somehow accidentally. Um, (laughs) it's rigged. (laughs) There we go. Um, yeah, we had pretty similar results. Uh, Um, your first solve was like the worst and then you got steadily better. Yeah. My first solve was better than my second, but that's just because I made a big mistake on my second one, misrecognizing Mm -hmm. something and like miss executing a g perm as i often do yeah, um fair and then both of our last solves were sub 20 you had a 19.60 i had 19.52 yeah so uh,
0: pretty much on the same route there yeah <laughs> interesting
1: so yeah we overall we did really similar in this event yep. and it's certainly interesting uh yeah it's fu- it's something fun to do yeah I definitely get a lot better at it in future tries i'm sure
0: <laughs> yeah and it relates to the event i see that you have for this week to some
1: extent uh kind of yeah (laughs) so maybe you should just talk about that okay well will you give me your results for my event last week i i know what it is already but uh or not week but last episode um for my gocube speedrunning event
0: oh oh right wait i thought that was two weeks ago
1: two episodes ago i thought that was last episode it's just been a while wow
0: it really has um okay so i don't remember what my original result was all i remember is so we i did a GoCube speedrun speed run and it was i think maybe a couple seconds slower than yours
1: yeah i think it was literally like two or three seconds it was slower. like
0: seven minutes 12 seconds versus seven minutes 14 seconds
1: yeah <laughs> um
0: but then we did a stream together where we were routing uh how to do this better and we had to like experiment with basically what the app would let us skip in the tutorial and what it wouldn't let us skip Um, yeah because if you just enter every step with a solved cube a lot of the steps are going to say we need to get a proper scramble to you know teach you this step but some of them you can end up you can enter it with it
1: done or almost done yeah so we came up with what is pretty much the optimal route we think and we decided that you have to start the the start with a scrambled cube. So like you are actually doing a solve in the midst of your speed run. Yeah. Um which is an interesting choice
0: because a lot of people have like you know saying like wow, you're just inducing RNG into a speed run.
1: But I feel like that's that's just how cubing goes.
0: <laughs> right. Like I agree. I think it's more fun when you do have a random element in it. Like I think that purely deterministic speed runs are almost like not fun because it is just purely execution. Yeah. Um but I think, I don't know, it could be interesting to do this as a speed run where, like, um, you start with, like, whatever state you want. Like, you yeah, get to pick yeah. it. That could be really interesting, too.
1: Yeah. Uh, but the way we ended up doing it was with a random state scramble. hmm And I think our optimal route was, like, during the part where it wants you to solve a daisy, you solve the whole cube. Yep. And then you set it up to a particular case that is, like, you do a U perm, and then you take out the... Uh, and then you take out the edge and then you take out the corner. That way, when you get to the steps where you have to solve a corner, you only have to do it once. And when you get to the step where you have to solve an edge, the like the second layer, you only have to insert one edge. And then you skip all of the last layer stuff until the last uperm. It lets you skip all that stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, so basically every... there are The four last layer steps it does are like EO, and then I think it does I think it does EO, CP, CO, and then EP. Yeah. yeah. And the first of those three... You can basically enter with it done, and it just says, cool, you did it, and you move along.
1: Yeah, which is unlike how it works for, like, if you're solving the first layer and you already have it done, it's going to be like, here, scramble your cubes that your first layer is no longer solved.
0: Yes, a lot of this was experimenting with, like, what states we we could and couldn't have within each uh, set of states, or set of um, steps, I mean. And basically, we found that it with, within the cross step, it makes you, fu- yeah, solve the daisy. And you basically get unlimited freedom to turn the cube without it yelling at you and saying, like, please undo these moves. Because, um, like, uh, a lot of the steps, like, it won't let you do certain moves within it. Like, it'll you get, like, minimal freedom, like maybe two-gen freedom in some steps.
1: Yeah. <laughs> which doesn't give you a lot of, like, freedom to set things up very well. Yeah, for a while we were experimenting with like doing EO during daisies. That you could <laughs> could solve the corners more easily or something. But. Yeah,
0: but that was a total waste of time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, the the um, best strategy was to set up the cube within the daisy step. So you like you basically get it to yeah. So you do one corner, one edge U perm, and that's the sh- the fewest things you have to do. And uh, you basically the way the order in in which the colors were solved on the daisy. Um, was always the same. So you just had to mm-hmm. set it up so that you uh, like basically did half turns on the face in the reverse order so that it would just go to the state you want after.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah. So uh, in the end, I think my PB was 3 minutes 45. Mm-hmm. And then you optimized it further. What did you get it down to? Uh, I think I'm down to like 240 something. Okay. Uh, it's on my
0: YouTube channel. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I can find it very easily. It is uh, 245.
1: Okay, nice. That's like a full minute better than what I was able to do.
0: Yeah. But uh, again, I actually started doing it more on my own stream and like grinded it down. <laughs> yeah. I also, I haven't used this yet, but I did use Cube Explorer to like find an alg to basically go from the solved cube directly to the good daisy state.
1: Okay. I feel like what I came up with was pretty good. <laughs>
0: it, it is. I, based, my move, I think my alg was 11 moves though. Okay, yeah, and better. it's like mostly it's like all like mostly two gen until like you do the ha like a few half turns in the end, okay, <laughs> um, so I think it saves like maybe four or five moves over it, and if you just learn <laughs> the alg, you can literally just do it and it's and then you're good,
1: yeah, nice,
0: so um yeah i mean it's it's a minor optimization, like maybe saves like two or three seconds, yeah, but. But we basically took down the, the speed running from, like, not knowing anything about the game or the game, the <laughs> tutorial, not knowing anything about the tutorial. It was like seven minutes and change. And we basically cut 50 percent of that out.
1: Yeah, at it's <laughs> pretty good. More. Yeah, more than that.
0: If you have a GoCube, I highly recommend trying it. It's really fun. It's pretty fun.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it's fun trying to come up with the best route as well. Uh, so basically, the the only uh, rules that we used were you have to start with a scrambled cube and you can only apply moves in the tutorial itself so not in like the menu screen where you're like moving from one step to the next
0: yeah because it will let you do whatever you want in when you move from step to step without yelling at you
1: yeah so that just makes it a little too easy
0: yeah so we we made sure that like you can only apply moves while the cube like it, it, it it you have the cube visible on the screen basically
1: all right so let's move on to our new events um my event is not quite ready yet, and what I put in the show notes is slightly misleading. Uh, so, Lucas Garen, I reached out to him asking him basically, like, how do you program stuff with cubes? And then he was very nice, and he spent, like, a few hours with me walking me through how to use, like, uh, cubing.js, which is the cubing JavaScript library that he's been working on. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and so he, he like, got on a video call with me and walked me through that for several hours... And I now know a lot more about it. And I haven't really done anything with it. But what I've been planning to do, and I, now that I'm talking about it on the podcast, this will make sure I do it soon enough that it actually matters, like before the episode is out. So, first of all, on the topic of Cube 99, which is what I was originally thinking of, mm-hmm. I don't think the support is quite there for it yet. Um, okay. There are certain things that he hasn't built yet, although he said he's planning on it that I would need. Um, Like, the ability to arbitrarily set states of the cube. Mm, Okay. Um, That's possible, but it's not easy to do right now. Gotcha.
0: Or basically, like, you're thinking, like, screw up with... Like, having ways to screw up states of the cube without... Yeah. Like, rotate random edges and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, stuff like that, not really feasible right now.
0: It wouldn't be simple enough to, like, find, like, random moves that would just... Like, and just say, like, do these moves as if the GoCube executed them or something.
1: Yeah, so I think that would be possible, but then you get all sorts of weird visual stuff that goes along with it. Oh, okay. okay. Um, because of the, just the way everything's all connected.
0: Right, right. That's fair.
1: And so, like, it probably would be possible, but Lucas told me that he's planning to implement that stuff at some point anyway, so I'd rather just wait for that. Yeah, I mean, it has,
0: uh, it has applications in, like, ALG practice where you don't want to yeah where you like you want it to generate an alg that's not like without having to apply the moves to the cube
1: yeah which would actually be really helpful i would love a tool like that yeah Um.
0: yeah like if you could just like give it a list of here like you literally just give it a list of algs yeah that you want it to, to that's set up to all the cases you want to practice for recognition and it just randomly gives it to you on the cube that'd be super cool
1: so, but yeah, so what I think I could make though, based on what I know, and I'm not 100% sure about this. So I'll put something in the show notes if this turns out to not be possible. Okay. Um but my plan for my new event is to make basically a mirrored cube. Okay. Where any move you apply, it applies the mirror of it across like the the uh what axis is that? The the X Z, you know, like across. <laughs> like if you L do an R, L? it does an L prime. Yeah, okay. And if you do a U, it does a U prime. And I want to make basically a thing where you can do that, and then so that be no, the challenge. You're not to talking
0: about applying a U or U prime on the same cube. You're talking about like a, a set. Like there would be two cubes visible.
1: No, like like on the like when on your physical cube you do a U, but oh, the image of the cube does a U prime. Oh, and I want that's my new event is to solve oh, the cube god. like that, <laughs> completely mirrored. Oh um, my god, that sounds awful. <laughs> and I haven't gotten around to programming it yet but I will soon hopefully. Um, <laughs>
0: that sounds hilarious and awful <laughs> and I want to try it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um Lucas also set up for me my own subdomain of cubing.net. So if you go to pockets.cubing.net/gocube, mm. um you can find what I'm what I have so far. Okay. Which is you can like connect a gocube to it, but and it's got like weird visual glitches that I haven't quite fixed yet. Hey, Andrew from the future jumping in here. Just wanted to clarify a couple things here. Uh, For one thing, the URL has changed. It's now pockets.cubing.net slash mirrorcube uh, with capital M and C, although I don't know if that matters. Uh, But yeah, you can go there to check it out yourself. Also, the cube doesn't work exactly how I described. Instead, it's mirroring across every face. So it's not it's doing RL prime, but it's also doing USD prime. The reasons for that I'll get into next episode. But anyway, back to the show so that that exists and that will be the url once i get this started which will hopefully be before the podcast is up is this going to be just GoCube specific then
0: like it won't be for
1: any yeah because i mean it will work with other cubes actually but oh, okay. the rotation tracking and stuff sucks on the other ones so yeah i mean because like gan has rotation
0: tracking i know
1: yeah um but it's uh, definitely it not as good as go well. yeah so yeah um but yeah it will connect to any bluetooth cube um the way i'm doing i'm doing it lucas also showed me that like you can use a three by three as like a megaminx uh like you can in oh his yeah. thing you can you can have your three by three show up as a megaminx and do the moves on a three by three but it'll apply them to a megaminx so it was mm-hmm. pretty cool
0: but you, you would basically be doing what like four gen moves or potentially like, yeah like potentially five gen i guess
1: yeah i don't, I don't know the exact implementation details but
0: uh i, mean, I guess technically you could do six gen but i don't know what like b and <laughs> d i don't feel
1: like yeah, would do anything useful, but he he's got systems made that you can like track your three moves on a three by three and apply it to various puzzles. That's cool. Yeah, so the whole the whole system he's made there. Uh, I think he has some others helping him with it. But um, and he and while he was walking me through it, he found like a few bugs and stuff that he needed to fix. And he was like, "Okay, well, this is good that I walked you through it." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's pretty cool, pretty nice. cool thing. Nice. And he was very nice and gave me a private lesson in it. <laughs> That I haven't done anything with yet, but I've been meaning to. Cool. Well, that's fun.
0: Uh, I'm interested in trying that soon. Um, my event is a lot less creative than that. Uh, <laughs> but um, here's the here's the here's the the gist of it. It is a three cube three by three relay. Okay. However, you are limited to fifty dollars. <laughs> okay. So, Wait, using cubicles prices for puzzles, <laughs> not sale okay. prices. So, whatever the original price is it, that's listed at, don't apply any of their markdowns for anything. Okay. You have $50 to get three by 3s And, like, obviously, you can use ones that you already own. Yeah. Um. If, so, and this is another weird thing, because, like, you might, like, self-magnetize your own cubes or something. Mm-hmm. And like a magnetic version of that cube doesn't exist already, yeah. Um, so if you magnetize a non-magnet magnetic version that has a magnetic version, price it at the magnetic version. But like, for example, like the uh, MF three RS two doesn't have a magnetic version, like mass produced. Like there are like cubicle labs or pro shop versions. I don't know. I didn't have a good way of dealing with that, but I didn't have any cubes like that. So,
1: I mean, this doesn't seem like it's going to be that difficult because, like, there are a lot of cheap, good cubes. There
0: are. Um, I, didn't... I don't know if
1: I have many of them, though. Yeah,
0: that's the issue. I, I didn't have many of them either. Like, I have the Qi MS, Um, and that was, like, an obvious pick for me. Um, but I think I ended up using, like, an unmagnetized MF3 RS2. <laughs> um as one cube which was definitely my worst cube um because no magnets um i used the chi and that those were both eight dollars on the cubicle so that left me with 34 left over and unfortunately my main is the worm which is 38 dollars
1: yeah i was i don't i've i'm just gonna go like really safe probably on this because I have a cube that I don't even remember what it is, but I know it's like $5. (laughs) Um, I got it a long time ago, though. So I'm probably just going to use that and then like two other like relatively cheap things, like maybe two unmagnetized Vox or something.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Basically, just make sure your three cubes don't cost more than $50. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And do relays. All right. And I got an average of five of 51.46 because I'm really bad at no inspection solves. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's going to suck. Yeah, I mean, I did it. I had inspection, but it's like you can't possibly inspect three cubes in 15 seconds. Yeah. Effectively and like keep track of what to do on all of them. So my time's very suffered from lack of inspection. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. So that's basically, it was inspired from like a lot of like, like um fantasy leagues, like no, no draft fantasy leagues that like put prices on players <laughs> and you have to yeah. like, with a budget, how... make the best team you can.
1: Yeah. The one fantasy football league I was part of once did that.
0: Yeah. Um So that's kind of the inspiration for this is that it's like you have a budget and you can spend it on cubes, but you like have to like do it in a way to like maximize some output in this case your solve time yeah so cool yeah not as cool as go cube uh stuff but <laughs> still pretty it's still i don't know it's, it, i i well I, yours I, is
1: something that more of our listeners will be able to do
0: <laughs> that is true um and i could it, it could be really interesting to do this with an even lower budget given how good budget cubes are getting now yeah. too with both the chi and the um rs3m 2020 yeah like own three of those and you're golden um
1: <laughs> <laughs> but cool cool all right that's it cool cool yep uh hmm you know we're approaching august 23rd 2020 then we'll finally be able to resolve one of your bad predictions today oh you're right i don't well, know if you've factored a global pandemic into your uh (laughs) there
0: (laughs) i definitely did not and it's probably going to make it very wrong because of that (laughs) it's the colin burns one right yep (laughs) okay colin burns will no longer be in the top 100 on august 23rd 2020 (laughs) i imagine he's still in the top 100 i think so yeah and there are not many competitions that can push him out at this point The next (laughs) month. Uh, I think there is another Danish comp happening, but.
1: You better hope those Danes get some good solves.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's currently 58th, so this was a very wrong prediction. But, I mean, yeah, like, I basically. Because August 23rd was after all of the big summer comps had happened. Mm -hmm. And I was assuming there would be another round of, like, you know, continental championships happening the next (laughs) summer, and that would be the big push.
1: So that didn't happen all right i'm gonna look up more stuff about hollywood
0: <laughs> what's the price of dnm in hollywood maryland
1: <laughs> hey it's at 55 percent humidity now now you're perfectly correct
0: nice ah i see i was i was i just have really good look ahead